And now, the starting lineup for your Blue Notes podcast, Tom Franklin and the man called Wags. Hello and welcome to Blue Notes. I am one half of your Blue Notes team, Tom Franklin, joined by my teammate, the man called Wags. And we are your home for St. Louis Blues coverage on the Hockey Podcast Network. And that includes expert analysis, whether it's at Enterprise Center. When you're fighting for spots for the playoffs, one or two points could make the difference. And we'll be looking back at games like tonight here at Enterprise Center as lost opportunities. Or at home. Penalties, that was a big, big piece. You know, you're wearing down some of your best players because they're out on the, the ice for so many penalty kill opportunities. Just a complete breakdown. Blues first round pick, Jake Neighbors. Braden Chan texted me and then uh, the head coach, Craig Berube, reached out as well and um, Ryan O'Reilly as well. And then um, the next day on day two of the draft, uh, Tarasenko FaceTimed me. So uh, that was pretty cool. So. <laughs> and we're the only hockey podcast in the Hockey Podcast Network to have a Hawaiian hockey correspondent. The Hawaii Blues fan, Guy Bensing. In true Dan Kelly fashion, Dan Kelly says, F you, Keaton. I know who's the starting pitcher for game four of the World Series. You damn well know who the starting goalie is for game four of the NHL season. And then walked away. And we have a musician, too. Not only is he responsible for this fat beat you're listening to right now, but he has also performed absolute works of art. And it seems to me you played the game with a candle to your rear. Never wanting to leave the eyes when the pain set in. So check out Blue Notes wherever you get your podcast from. New episodes every Monday and Thursday. I'm Tom Franklin reminding you to not be a chump, listen to Blue Notes, and always play to the whistle. A reminder that you can follow Blue Notes on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at Blue Notes Pod. I'm the voice of the blues, Tom Calhoun. You're listening to the Hockey Podcast Network, your home for hockey talk covering every team in the NHL. New episodes every Monday. Download at thehockeypodcastnetwork.com or wherever you get your podcasts from. What is up? Kane's Train Podcast on the Hockey Podcast Network. Welcome to Monday. Go Canes, baby. This episode is brought to you by DraftKings. The 55th Super Bowl is this weekend. That is this one. Sunday, 55. And a game this big deserves a big prize. Not just some trophy. And DraftKings, the official daily fantasy sports partner of Super Bowl 55, has up to $55 million in total prizes up for grabs with their Super Bowl prediction pool. How is that for big? Look, dude, I know you go to the Super Bowl parties, right? I know that you guys are doing those little square things, you know, where you're like, oh, pick it. It's random. You don't even really get a say. You just get written down for one, right? And then you put in a bunch of pool with your friends and then you hopefully win money. No, 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 no. DraftKings is here to put that power in your hands. You pick predictions, you get a chance to win. All you have to do to get your share of these uh, huge prizes is enter DraftKings free Super Bowl prediction challenge. Once you submit your picks, you'll get a free instant prize up to $25,000 just for for submitting your picks. You don't even have to be right. You just get a free prize and it could be up to $25,000. If you have the most predictions correct, you could win the top prize of a million dollars. One million dollars. That's right. Uh, download the app now. Enter the free prediction challenge. Answer questions like who will score last and boom, get ready to make it rain. DraftKings has paid out over $7 billion to its players since 2012, so they know a thing or two about big paydays. Look, man, 
hit that freaking one million dollars and you can do this. Yeah, baby. <laughs> and if you lose or someone tries to tell you that, you know, what you say isn't correct, you can hit him with one of these. How about new? That's right. So go win your one million dollars. Download the DraftKings app now. Use promo code THPN to enter the free $55 million Super Bowl prediction challenge. Everyone gets an instant prize up to $25,000 just for playing, so use promo code THPN now and enter the free $55 million Super Bowl challenge. Only at DraftKings, the official daily fantasy partner of Super Bowl 55. Terms, conditions, and eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for details. Again, promo code THPN when you sign up. Uh, welcome to the show. Thanks for being here. Um, just, you know, out of transparency, obviously the Hurricanes played three games since our last episode. One against the Tampa Bay Lightning and two against the Dallas Stars. I'm recording this first part of the episode here before the uh, final game against the Stars, and then I'll, by the end of the episode, I'll have seen it. So uh, if you're like, why isn't he addressing the huge thing that happened? I don't know about it yet, all right? And maybe nothing happened, but hopefully, you know, it was a Hurricanes win. And if not, well, you'll hear me talk about it in like 10, 15 minutes. But uh, I wanted to get into the the uh, first couple games. So why not talk about those since there's plenty to talk about there? Um, first things first, Kane's down five roster players. Jacob Slavin, Warren Fogle, Tebo Teravine, and Jordan Martinook, Jesper Fast. Um, I feel like I'm leaving someone out there, but oh well. They're definitely down those guys. They have to play a stacked Tampa Bay team, uh, of course, without Nikita Kucherov. But hey, you know, everyone deals with injuries. The Hurricanes have had to play seasons without really good players on their end. It happens. Tampa Bay still has a ridiculous arsenal of amazing players. I mean, imagine hearing a team loses a player like uh, Nikita Kucherov. But hey, you're still going to have to defend guys like Braden Point and Steven Stamkos. Uh, it's not really much of a consolation prize there, if you know what I mean. But the Hurricanes dealt with that obviously very well as they pick up the one nothing overtime win. Um, and really just a, a well-played game start to finish. Um, you know, they were able to grind it out. Peter Morazic was extremely good in that one. Um, and, you know, it is what it is, baby. We keep moving on. Next man up. Uh, I made some predictions before that one. I said it was going to be 3-2 Canes. Well, one nothing. I'm fine with the victory. Uh, no one I said would score scored. Uh, but Marty Natchez with the sick overtime goal on the sauce, baby, from Jordan Stahl with the sauce. Oh, Stonehand Stahl pulls out a little uh, sizzler there. Perfect pass. And Natchez is so fast, man. That guy was meant for three-on-three hockey. As soon as, so Aho, Aho uh, Pesci, maybe, and Svech did a great job, you know, hemming the lightning in. Literally, Jordan Stahl won the faceoff. And the Lightning didn't see the puck <laughs> after that in overtime. Dominant overtime performance. He wins the faceoff, you know, gets off the ice as he does. Aho, Svech, and I think it was Pesci are out there um, and just, you know, hold the puck and tire him out. After about a minute of having to fend guys uh, like Sebastian Aho, who can fly on his own, Marty Natchez comes out uh, and he's cruising. They make the smart play in overtime, which is, hey, come in with speed every time. So if you miss your rush chance... Bring it back out of the zone. That's what they did. They reset. Natchez got it. Stahl gets on the ice. Great awareness from Natchez to find Stahl. Stahl's got a little bit of space because I don't know that Tampa was really paying attention to him getting on the ice. And then Natchez, I, I was tracking it. I saw him just blow by his man. So I know this is essentially a two-on-one. Uh, if Jordan Stahl can get the pass over, he's wide open. What a pass, though, from Jordan Stahl. I mean, we can't say it enough times. That was an amazing pass. Natchez is right there. Easy comes down flat, taps her in. One nothing victory. Canes get the shutout. Uh, and what a performance all around. Um, you know, I made the prediction that uh, Stephen Lorenz would be a, a big uh, noticeable factor in his kind of debut games. And I think he was good in that one. I think he was better in the second game against the Stars and got his first NHL point. But we'll get there, you know. Baby steps, one step at a time. Um, I thought the defense played well in that one. Um, I really did. I, th I thought that... You know, the obviously the goaltending was phenomenal. Um, obviously, you know, Svech just is Svech. Like, you know, he's had a really good season. Aho in that one, uh, I I didn't think he played bad, but it was just like, man, it, it, it looked like he had a hole in his stick at times. Like, he whiffed a lot. 
Um, you know, he missed a couple chances, but I didn't think he played bad. I just thought that he, you know, he maybe his hands were a little off from the usual elite Sebastian Ajo, but he was still able to make some plays and make it happen. Um, Vasilevsky played out of his mind, so uh, Peter Morozik was going to have to match that. He did. Uh, Kane's goalie is looking really good. Kane's goalie is looking really good. Kane's defense is looking good. Um, you know, I also wasn't sure about the third pair. So I was the only pair I was sure would be fine was Brett Pesci, Jake Gardner. Because uh, I feel like Jake Gardner's been fine this season. Um, Brett Pesci, you know, we know what he can do. Without Jacob Slavin, I thought that the top pairing, if you want to put it, if you want to call it a top pairing, because really Brett Pesci played like a million minutes in that game. So he was a top defenseman. Like I said, I think Brett Pesci is the best defenseman on the team uh, easily if Jacob Slave is not there. And it's it's a pretty close argument between the two of them uh, if they're both healthy. But with no Jacob Slave and you knew Brett Pesci was going to have to step up. And boy, did he. He played a really good game. Um, you know, I think that, that was kind of his, all right, I'm here moment, you know. Uh, coming back from an injury, having not played an even longer span than everyone else, uh, you know. So I thought his performance was really, really good. The top pairing of uh, Shea and Hamilton, I thought held their own. You know, Hamilton has been a little snake bitten when it comes to offense so far this year. Um, I again, it's it's I'm sure it's hard to come back. He was on such a run. The confidence you want that's a guy you want to see his confidence elevate um, because he can tend to force a few too many things. You know, make some bad pinches and stuff like that when he thinks he should be scoring, which is what, it's just what guys who get paid to score goals do. They feel like that's how they need to contribute. He can contribute otherwise, though. I felt like what made him so dangerous last year is his defensive play, uh, elevating to the level of a, a top two defenseman. He played he played some really good defensive minutes with Slavin last year. Um, you know, I thought he was fine. I thought that that pairing held their own. You know, they weren't as scary uh, with their decisions as I thought they might be. I thought Brady Shea had a pretty good game. Uh, but Brett Pesci was a rock star in that one. And the third pairing of uh, Flurry and Bean, I wasn't quite sure, you know, why you put Flurry with Bean there. I thought that you could maybe mix it up and get a little more mm, evenness, I guess, in your defensive pairs. But hey, I guess they have the familiarity there. I'm willing to admit that, uh, uh, you know, maybe I was wrong to judge that one so quick. I think that those guys have played well together in those first two games. And again, I'll comment on the third game uh, and most recent one that happened last night in a bit. You know, uh, I don't know about it yet, but let's all I can really say about that Tampa game, honestly, is that everybody stepped up. Um, you know, the guys that needed to play big minutes did. Jordan Stahl was phenomenal. Uh, Brett Pesci was phenomenal. Peter Morozik was phenomenal. I didn't really think anybody had too much of an off game. I, you know, I thought that the first line um, did well hanging with Tampa's first line. Uh, big shout out to Brock McGinn on the first line, really taking on great defensive responsibility play he you know he's the number one defensive minded forward on that line with Tavo Teravine and out and uh he was able to make some big time plays defending guys like Braden Point and Steven Stamkos and that is not easy to do at all um that's just the type of player he is that's why I have a lot of respect for Brock McGinn you're not going to hear me trash a guy like that I know a lot of people want him to do more offensively and whatnot and hey the guy is who he is he's got some skill but he's not going to be a you know elite finisher by any means but what he can do is be literally the toughest man on the planet you saw him uh take that puck to the face and he was like i'm not leaving the bench i'm fine and the trainer was like but you should go back to the room though because maybe your brain is broken uh and he was like fine fine but then he came right back tough dude uh he's gonna you know be physical when he needs to be he's gonna do all the things he needs to uh, and i thought he played good on that line played well i should say sorry for my english um so that first game, I, I thought just a, a you know next man up mentality. Really proud of how the team dealt with the adversity. Second game, let's move on to that game against the Stars. 4-1 win for the Hurricanes. Uh, I believe the shots were something like 24-11. The Dallas Stars only managed, I think, four 5-on-5 five five shots on goal. That is insane. That's wild. Uh, I know the Stars aren't, you know, the most offensive power pack team of all time, but... Um, and with uh, Ben out, you know, they lose a little bit of that. But I thought that Carolina didn't give them anything. Uh, they get the power play goal. Canes took too many penalties. A lot of ticky-tack calls, a lot of no calls. It didn't really make sense to me in that game. But, hey, uh, it's fine. The Hurricanes came out on top. Their penalty kill for the large part was really good. Their power play was phenomenal. Special teams. Hey, imagine it being the year 2021, and we're talking about the Hurricanes with elite special teams, man. 
you'd love to hear about it. Because how long, how long were we like the penalty kills good, but uh, you know the power play is the worst power play in recent history, uh, and sometimes the penalty kill wasn't great. So it's great to see both those special teams um, units doing well, and the Hurricanes destroyed the Stars on the power play. I mean, it wasn't even, it wasn't even fair. Uh, to get you know another goal from Svech on a fantastic move, you get a goal from Ryan Dezingle boosting his confidence, and you get two from Vincent Trocheck who just continues to roll. Um, let's let's talk about Vincent Trocheck for a second. I've said this before, and I will continue to say that so much of offensive success in the league when you're a skilled guy is all about confidence, and you can really extrapolate that out to so many things. Because I mean, think about it. If you if if you're at Anything you're doing, any job you're you're supposed to be doing, if you're confident in your abilities and what you're doing, you're going to perform better. Then, if you're second guessing yourself, um, or if you have you know some level of anxiety about what you should be doing, or if you're competent in this thing, like the way to play is confident. It's okay to make mistakes, but be confident in what you're doing, and more often than not, you'll succeed because it's just that mental willpower that uh, is the difference a lot of times between two players that are extremely skilled. So Vincent Trocheck obviously has all the skill. He didn't have all the finish in his first, you know, 20 or so games with the Hurricanes last season, but this season, man, he has been really, really good. Um, and that is going to make the Hurricanes an incredibly dangerous team. If that second line right now of Trocek, Niederreiter, and Natchez, if all three of those guys continue, and, and Natchez, you know, I, d- I thought that he was very underwhelming in the first three games of the season, but... Uh, since the COVID restart or whatever you want to call it after that big break, Natchez has been good and getting better, and he's got his confidence now too. So just look at those examples. Trocek gets you know a goal in the first game, plays well in several games after that. You know he's getting points, two goals in that game against the Stars on Saturday, uh, and he looked really really good. He looked confident. Um, you know he made he he had a chance to get a third a couple times. He he was just really really good um a guy that's been able to win some face-offs too you know at least at least be around 50 percent like i feel like jordan stall is going to be at like 55 60 percent because he's just an unreal face-off guy and then you know if your other guys can hover around 50 percent you're dominating sebastian aho is not going to be at 50 percent so you know if trocek can be like 52 maybe a little better um but yeah he's he's been really good really good on the power play he's just a really good player i like him a lot and I'm really happy to see the the actual numbers happen and uh, give him that little boost of confidence. Uh, Niederreiter, I think, has had a pretty good year as well. You know, uh, I don't think he's been phenomenal, but he's been better than last year, and he seems confident. He's making plays. Like, I've seen him make multiple, you know, moves on the boards or a stop-and-start move where he gets around the guy, and I'm like, you know, Niederreiter last year would never have done that. Never. He, he looks confident. He looks like he kind of shook off last season. I've heard him multiple times acknowledge that uh, he, he wishes last year went better and he's acknowledged that he didn't have a great year. Um, but being able to admit that and then put it behind you and not dwell on it is something that a, a lot of guys aren't able to do. So, uh, you know, kudos to Niederreiter for being able to put that crappy season behind him and just look really good, man. I, I think he's looked really, really good, um, compared to what we saw from him last year. And, and we needed that. Natchez is another guy that, you know, I thought he, he started off poorly. He looked like he was trying to do too much. But uh, that overtime goal seemed to give him confidence because in that game against the Stars, what do you have? Two assists, I think. Um, and he looked really, really good. He was good on the power play. Um, you know, he's he's got elite skating ability. He's got really good hands. He's got a really good shot. So he's a guy who should be contributing in the top six here, uh, you know, as soon as this year. And as he continues to develop, I think he's going to turn into a really good two-way player as well. Uh, penalty killing, man. He was on the penalty kill. Uh, so was Trocek. So, you know, big shout out to those two guys for stepping up in those roles with so many guys out. Uh, I just, I've just been really impressed with what this team has done, uh, with all those players. Thank you to my dog for shaking while I was recording. Um, the other, the other thing worth noting is, uh, obviously you lose Peter Morozik, Reimer steps in, doesn't have to do anything. Um, and I'm going to throw a mid, (laughs) I'm going to throw a mid, uh, mid-episode prediction here and say that James Reimer started Sunday. And if he didn't, I'll correct myself in like five minutes. Um, but I thought that, you know, the, the goalies have been so good. It looks like, I don't know the severity of Morozik's injury yet. It looked painful. 
Uh, but then you heard guys like Nature say, um, you know, oh, I, I, uh, it didn't look, it looked worse than it seems to be. And but then Rod in the press conference said something along the lines of like, yeah, I mean, we don't know. It looked bad, and we don't know the extent of how long he'll be out. So it sounds like he'll definitely miss some time here. Uh, it looked like his, if you saw the video, his thumb was, hey, for sure, stop doing that, you know? Hey, hey. Hey, dog with the collar on and jingling, I'm gonna issue one of these. How about new? Right? Big time. How about new? Yeah, don't do that. Um, I love that new drop, by the way. I'm gonna be using that constantly. <laughs> constantly. Uh, really good. Um, what was I even talking about? I think we're gonna see Ned a little bit, um, you know, which I expected to see him for a stretch this season. I'm gonna, I'm gonna keep it, you know, 100 with you guys. And girls, I don't think... Uh, I don't know if Ned is it. I don't know if Ned is what a lot of Hurricanes fans want him to be. Um, we've had a very limited sample size to see that, so I'm going to withhold any judgment in saying what he can or can't be because I think that he has a, a pretty high ceiling and potential, but I'm not sure that, you know, that's... It's it's not just going to be... I think you're losing something, is what I'm saying. I think that Peter Morozik and James Reimer are more established and have proven they can be at this level. I don't think Ned has. Um, I don't know if he'll even get a chance to because it's depending on how long Morozik will be out. But uh, I think it's going to be Reimer heavy if they have to alternate those two guys. You're not going to see the 50-50 splits like you saw before. I think that they're going to really limit Ned's starts and net but we'll see maybe he starts and he blows us away and that's what I'm rooting for I don't want to be one of those guys you know sometimes people it's fine to be critical but sometimes people tend to like uh root for someone's failure to prove they were right like that's not me all right I don't think Ned is the greatest goalie ever but uh if he wants to prove me wrong and have you know five amazing games in a row please do like I want I I want you to be good like I am rooting for you I really am just because I'm making, you know, criticisms doesn't mean that I don't, I don't want the guy to do good. Of course I do. I want every person on this team to do good, not just for the betterment of the team. Cause just like, you know, I want, I want people to, I want people to succeed at what they want to succeed at. Like, you know, if you're out there and you got this thing you like doing and you're like, I want to get good at this. Like, I hope you do, you know, I hope you do. I hope everyone gets good at everything they're trying to get good at or succeed at their job. Like, I hope you all do well, you know, but if you're not doing well, I'm going to say like, I don't think you're doing well doesn't mean I don't wish for you to do better. Uh, it's just, you know, my opinion on the matter. I, I feel like keeping it real um, and, and not just acting like everything's good at all times is the is the way to analyze things. Like, let's just be realistic about what we're seeing. I don't want to get too high on the highs. I don't want to get too low on the lows. But I think the Hurricanes have looked good with this uh, limited roster. Steven Lorenz, man, said he was going to look good. He got his first NHL point. He got that breakaway. Really wish he could have finished on that one. Um, but, you know... It was still a really good play um, from him, and uh, he was noticeable. And he's been logging some minutes, and I'm interested to see, uh, you know, how many minutes he logs in this game. But I don't want to talk in the past any more than 20 minutes that have already gone by now. Um, let's let's. Uh, I'm gonna take a quick pause, and when I come back, I will have seen the game on Sunday, and we can talk about that since I know that's what's fresh on everyone's mind. Uh, and hopefully, we're riding high, man. Hopefully, I'm talking about three wins. That would be phenomenal. But if it's a loss, we can talk about it too. I'll be right back after no message, just a pause, and then I immediately am going to restart because of, you know, technology. Whoa, I'm back. Watch the game, and uh, I think we deserve one of these. Yeah, baby. <laughs> Let's go, baby. Dallas Stars got kicked, baby. Uh, shootout win for the Canes, which, look, shootout wins... You know, it's good to get a win. Uh, if it's not a regulation win or a regulation overtime win, it's it really doesn't do nearly as much for you as it used to when you're playing only in your division because, um, you know, your, your only seeding is against these teams that you're playing. So when you give them a point and you get the win that counts the least, uh, it doesn't matter nearly as much as a regulation win where you don't give them the points and you get the win that counts the most. But that being said... Uh, still an amazing win. Fantastic, you know, uh, fight, I would say, because the first two periods of that game were really good. Uh, I thought the Hurricanes played well. Um, you know, I'll talk about some of the stuff that happened, like the 
Jimmy Ben hit did not like uh, a lot of stuff Dallas did in this little mini series. I did not like, um, and I'm really glad that they uh, got zero wins out of it. I'm upset that they got a point out of it, but anyway, um, thought that the Hurricanes played well. Third period, I think it was a combination of three games, four nights. Uh, you know, having to rely more on guys with little experience with both the team and in the NHL. Um, you know, it. There's a bunch of things that go into that, but though the Hurricanes made the most of it, the let's just go through it, you know? Let's just go through that game since it's fresh on my mind. Um, first of all, the Jamie Ben hit. Let's talk about that real quick. A uh, few reasons why I don't like that one. One, he leaves his feet. Uh, I hate when guys... I hate when I see guys leave their feet on a hit because it's... First of all, it's fundamentally illegal, okay? The... The fact that you could make it, when I see NHL guys leave their feet on a hit, it tells me one thing and one thing only. Your intent was to cause damage on that hit. You know? you let What happens when you do that is you let your emotions get the better of you, and the, you let your aggression get the better of you. It's, it's, it's an aggressive game. I mean, trust me, I've played a lot. Like, I've made some questionable hits myself where I go back and go, yeah, that wasn't a great hit. But in the moment, like, I didn't care. Um... But it's about respect for the other players. And, you know, Jordan Stahl, I just don't understand how you make a hit on a guy like that. The puck is in the area, but Jordan Stahl's not battling for it at all. So, you know, I I don't think you need to hit him right there in the back, too. Which is, several things happen on that. He left his feet, which is always illegal, no matter what. You don't leave your feet on a hit. That's charging definition of it. Um, he hit him in the back, numbers the entire way. And it's not like Jordan Stahl was battling for the puck. So it was really a needless hit, which you can argue how illegal a needless hit is, but I just think it makes it dirty uh, when you do those things and combine them with the fact that uh, he didn't need to do it. So, Jamie Ben, you get one of these right here. How about new? Big time. How about new? Definitely. Um, so, yeah, didn't like that. Um, very upset that Jamie Ben scored in that game. But to be honest with you, it pains me to say it. I thought he had a really good game. Um... But, you know, still, at the same time, How about new? to Jamie Ben, you know. Uh, my favorite new drop by, 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 by far. Um, Hurricanes, though, battled. The power play continues to be really good. Jordan Stahl gets the tip in on uh, the Dougie Hamilton shot. That was great. Um, who scored the second goal? I'm trying to remember now. It was uh, Brock McGinn, that's right, on the shorthanded one. So the special teams continue to be such a big deal. For the Hurricanes. The power play goal, huge. Um, I like that Dougie, it came off of a Dougie shot. Of course, it's a Jordan Stahl goal, but still the fact that Dougie ripped that and really created that goal, I hope will help boost his confidence. That's another guy that if we're talking about confidence earlier, um, you know, you want to see his continue to go up too because you want to see him get back to last season. I think last season he was really confident before the injury. Um, so I thought that he had a good game. Probably... Probably his best game, I would say, of the season so far. He looked noticeable, um, which I can't say has been a thing for anything other than really small stretches in the rest of the games this year. But I thought Dougie Hamilton was really good tonight. Um, thought that Brady Shea was really good tonight as well. Uh, I was really impressed with his game. I really didn't see anything he did where I was like, what are you doing? But I saw several things he did where I thought it was a really good play, both defensively and you know in the offensive zone as well. So that was great to see. Um, thought that Steven Lorenz had another noticeable game. Uh, and you heard Rod, if you listened to the press conference, talk about how, uh, you know, it might, it, it's going to be a decision to make when guys come back. Um, you know, what happens with Lorenz? I think regardless, he'll definitely stay. Um, obviously, he'll stay with the taxi squad no matter what. So he'll always be an option throughout this year. Um, but, you know, it's... Uh, He's, he's played well. If I'm, you know, Warren Fogle or maybe Ryan Dezingle, uh, I'm nervous. <laughs> I'm nervous about how well this kid's played uh, because he's been noticeable. He made a really good play on the puck, even though I agree with Rod. Uh, really good play to, to bat the puck away in a scoring situation, but he was the reason why that scoring situation developed. But, you know, kudos to the energy and effort it requires to recover from a mistake and make a big play like that. Uh, that was huge. And then Nino, man, oh, oh my goodness. Um, you know, the Stars get the lead after um, 
a, a not good decision by Sebastian Ajo. You heard Trip Tracy talk about it on the broadcast. I 100% agree. If you go back and look at that third goal to star score on the odd man rush, um, three forwards are low. Sebastian Ajo's the center. He's above the goal line. He's got to have the awareness to know that is not where you you know make an aggressive play to get the puck. That is where you play conservative. You gotta reload up high. Someone has to. You're the only option in that situation. You have to come back up high. It would have been a three-on-three. He could have broken something up through the neutral zone or at least taken away the the option for you know a, a guy in a, a cross-ice pass to give a guy a, a good scoring chance. So you can't do that. He makes a good effort getting back, but it really is a three-on-two. Um, being in flurry, you know, I'm not going to put it on them because I, I do think it was Ajo's decision that uh, you know led to the, the bad, put them in a bad spot, really. But uh, I don't know if it's a miscommunication or just they looked a little discombobulated, I think. Um, weren't quite in the lanes that, you know, they needed to be. But again, it was such a fast developing play. I don't really know that you can you can put a whole lot of blame on them. I think that they they tried. Um, you know, they didn't make any glaring mistakes, but um, a passing lane opens up that, you know, you would hope gets covered. It just looked like a bit of miscommunication or confusion um, from everyone defending there. Pass goes across and they get the goal. Um, and... I'm upset at that point because a lot of things have happened, including some really bad calls that I'll get to. Uh, but then Nino Niederreiter, who continues to boost his confidence. Um, I mean, I think you could see with Nino, like he is so one way or the other. He is so hard on himself when he doesn't score. Um, and he 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 had several moments in this game where he should there. I mean, he should have scored. Like it is not a, you know, people talk about oh Nino gets snake bitten you know all these tap ins go off his stick and go i mean the goal is to put it in the net though like it, there is a skill involved to that so um when andre svechnikov throws you a beautiful seam pass and you have the option to tap it into a wide open goal and you mishit it i mean i'm here to tell you that that is not we call it a tap in that's not easy to do at all um in that position like it's if you've played the game before, you know how easy those are to miss. It's actually, you know, a, a skilled play to even put that on net with how much is going on and the, the just the timing of it and everything and where the angle your stick blade is at and, you know, how much to follow through, how much room you have, all that sort of stuff, the traffic. Like, it's difficult. Um, but he misses. And he had a couple of plays like that where, you know, he had a chance to do something and just didn't quite execute. And you could see that he was really being hard on himself. So... To see him walk in on that wing and, you know, whatever, the puck's rolling, whatever, the guy sticks right in front of him, bombs that thing. Top corner, I mean, oh my goodness. What a shot. I'm at home and I do one of these. Yeah, baby. I played it twice. I'll play it nine times. Yeah, baby. <laughs> Sorry, that was probably so annoying. Um, yeah, that was me for sure. Um, I want to talk real quick about the officiating because in both these games, and I want to start this out by saying that I am not a person who ever talks about the officiating, you know, in a, in a like, oh, this is a huge deal thing because I, it oftentimes doesn't affect the game as much as we want. It's just an easy thing to point out. Um, you know, nine times out of 10, the better team wins the game, the team who played better wins the game. Uh, and if it's an even game, it's usually luck involved. Um, but, you know, on a certain play, the team, the better team usually scores the goal. Like, you don't usually get ultra lucky. Usually, guys are creating their own luck. It's pretty rare that a goal is scored off of nothing but luck. You know, that's pretty rare. Like, that would have to be... That's like uh, last year in the, in the play-in series against, I think it was Nashville and Arizona. Uh, somebody shot a puck that, like, went off a guy's heel popped up in the air, bounced off someone's shoulder, and then went over the goalie and he never saw it. I, I would I would say that's a goal that's scored on 100% luck and nothing else. There's nothing anyone could have done. That was that should not have happened, uh, but it did. And um, I, uh, you know, so anyway, my point with the referees is that it's usually not as big of a deal as people make it out to be. But this series was really tough to watch the officiating. And I don't know what's going on, whether it's, it may very well be we just have the technology to see these things more often and when we didn't before, maybe they were happening at the same rate. Uh, the game's also getting faster. It's definitely not an easy one to officiate by any means. Um, and maybe my theory is that as we look more to protecting players and player safety and all that, um, you know, how much do we put too much emphasis on things that aren't huge player safety issues 
you know, like to me, the, the big slashing phenomenon where I maybe it was two, maybe it was three or four years ago. I remember at the beginning of the year, they said they were going to be real particular about slashes. And in the preseason and in the first couple weeks of the season, uh, there was probably 317,000 slashing penalties because they were calling slashing for literally if you're. If your stick is swung toward an opponent and taps them anywhere, it was a slash, which is stupid. Because the intention of slashing is to not be allowed to, you know, with force, chop your stick and and hit someone. Like, you should be able to hit their stick as hard as you want, as long as you don't break it. Uh, and as long as, like, you don't come over the top. But, like, if I'm throwing a poke check at you and I hit your stick hard, like, I don't understand why that matters. Now, I understand that, you know, two-handing the top of someone's shaft isn't okay because you're going to break the stick, and that's not... You don't just get to break their stick and, like, you know, ruin the play that way. That's not fair. So that should be a penalty, but you know what I'm talking about if you've seen a lot of these calls. Um, You know, some of the hookings get a little crazy where, okay, I get it. Technically, by definition, you can call it a hook, but when it happens for literally a millisecond, I don't know that it impacted the play or the player with the puck at all, so I don't really see the need to call it. But um, so many calls and so much inconsistency. It's really absurd how how two guys, you know, I could see if there was this much inconsistency, inconsistency, if there's like 19 people having to make calls, you'd be like, well, this, you know, ref number six is really making different calls than ref number 13. But it's two guys. Like, I don't get how they're so far off from their own calls earlier in the game. Like, why is it? And between teams sometimes, like, you know, what say whatever you want about the McCormick hit in the boards where he most likely, like, broke his collarbone there. It was rough. Uh, I would – we can argue about the board because of the turn and, and all that. Uh, it was it was a borderline hit at best, but I would definitely consider it charging for sure. Guy comes, like, full speed from center ice and hits a guy who has his back turned to him. I mean, like – you know, whether or not he, like, but he wasn't facing him, so he didn't see him, like, it was a hit on a defenseless player, in my mind, Um, and whatever, you can argue that one, but to not call that, and then to call some of the penalties they called against the Hurricanes in that same game, uh, it's just, it's really frustrating when you see that much inconsistency, like, whatever, make bad calls, but, I mean, just pick a, pick a, pick a definition for whatever you think a penalty is, and fucking stick to it. It's really, really upsetting to see them how do you how do you play a game as a player when the rules are changing throughout? I mean, how are you supposed to play a game? And I think that's when you see Rod Brendamore get so irate on the bench. It's for that reason. Like, how frustrating. How am I supposed to tell my guys how to defend a play when, you know, one time during this game it's a penalty and 19 other times it's not? That doesn't make any sense. It doesn't make any sense. Tonight, Andrei Svechnikov gets a goalie interference call for just, you know, dropping a shoulder and and beating a defenseman to the net that's a penalty what is what is he supposed to do in that situation what is Andrei Svechnikov supposed to do when he goes up against Miro Heiskanen and who by the way I have all the respect for Heiskanen I think he's a great player he got bodied on that one all right Svechnikov beat him to the outside and Heiskanen's a fantastic skater Svechnikov gets the outside edge on him and then just overpowers him to the net Haskinen's also pushing on him, you know, playing defense. Like, I don't think Haskinen did anything wrong at all. But there's a there's a small, tiny collision with the goalie just from a guy driving to the net, which I, he's trying to score. Like, and you call that goalie interference. I just, I just don't understand. It also happens at the very top of the crease. It's not like he's in the crease just, like, you know, steamrolling the goalie. He didn't do that. He made a play to the net. What's he supposed to do? He's trying to score. You're telling me that guys aren't allowed to try to score if they have to come near the net? That's absurd. That penalty's never been called like that, ever, except for a couple times, apparently, on Andrei Svechnikov. I don't know what it is about Svechnikov that refs want to call a million penalties on him. Uh, obviously, he's the new shiny thing in the NHL, and uh, these old, old-timey old guys are all about their, you know, stupid clicks and, and nonsense with the old-school way of playing, like... You don't give the younger guys anything. Like Andre Svechnikov is a star. Uh, in other sports, stars usually get the benefit of the doubt. In hockey, for some reason, they don't until they're like 31. And I think that that's ridiculous. Uh, and I'm really sick of seeing ticky-tack calls like that called against uh, some of these younger guys. It's really annoying um, because you would never, ever make that call against a guy like Jamie Benn. Ever. 
So if that's the case, you cannot call that on Svechnikov. But regardless, it's not a penalty for anyone. You can't call it on anyone. Like, he drove to the net and tried to score. In what universe is trying to score a penalty? I don't know. Apparently, to those two guys in that game, I think Ian Walsh was the, the head official for that one. I mean, just bad. Really, really bad. Um, you know, I thought that the um, the hook on Dougie Hamilton, like, okay, I guess it's a penalty. Uh, it's a it's a it's a borderline one, but I would consider it closer to being a penalty than not a penalty. All right. And then at the end of the game, I know it doesn't matter at all, and maybe that's what the refs are thinking too. But if that is their mentality, I would argue that's the, that you shouldn't be refing a game if that's your mentality. You should be enforcing the rules no matter what, no matter the situation, no matter anything. They don't though. They don't do that. Uh, Sebastian Ajo gets hooked, slashed, held. I mean, a million different things on that last play. No penalty call. Which, again, it doesn't matter, and it's not worth even thinking about, really, other than just another example of how is the one on Hamilton a hook, and that one's not. I don't understand. They also called um, Sheldon Rimple, I think it was, for holding because he took his hand off his stick and pushed a player. His palm was 100% open. His fist didn't close. And uh, I'm no, you know, anatomy expert, but I'm pretty sure it's physically impossible to hold someone if your palm's open the whole time. You can't hold someone with your palm unless you're like a human suction cup. He didn't hold him at all. What the referee saw was he was in a bad angle, which is his fault, not the player's fault. His fault for not being at a good enough angle to see what was going on. He's at a bad angle to see what's going on. He sees Rempel take his hand off his stick and make some level of a play and immediately throws his hand up and calls holding, even though he did not see him hold. And I know he didn't see him hold because he didn't hold. It wasn't a hold. He pushed him. Holding and pushing are not the same thing. Uh, so it's just that's just really frustrating. But anyway, the Hurricanes get the win in the shootout. Vincent Trocek, how silky is this man? I mean, silkier than the softest royal bedding in the world. This man's hands are elite. Dougie Hamilton, you know he's scoring in shootouts. Uh, and the most satisfaction I've ever gotten in my life was watching Jamie Benn fail to score on James Reimer, who I thought had a good game. Um, again, I mean, it's not a surprise at this point. Like, the Hurricanes have allowed, what, five, six goals in six games or something? I mean, like, it's not, I feel like nothing. They allowed none in the first game, three in the second game, uh, what, two in the... Yeah, two in game number three. And then, I don't know. It's something seven or eight max in six games. I mean, that is filthy. That is really good team defense. And they're doing it without Jacob Slavin in three games. They're doing it without Jacob Slavin. They're doing it without Tavo Teravine. And they're doing it without, you know, grinders like Jordan Martinuk, who I think is another guy that's been, um, you know, kind of replaced nicely. And this is no slight to him. It's a, it's a, nod to the guys that have come in the lineup. I think that those Fords have, have done a good job. Um, you know, if we're going down the lineup, I think that uh, Bean, Bean's offensive prowess is something to be excited about for sure. Um, he's got really good hands. He's really good at getting the puck to the net when he needs to. I could see him being a very, very good power play option. I'd honestly much rather see him on the second power play unit than Jake Gardner. Um, I'm not saying Jake Gardner's been bad. I just think that Jake Bean has more potential to do more danger. Uh, do more danger. Does that even make any sense? Uh, on that second power play. I've liked him. His defensive game has been good enough in that third pairing role. Um, and Hayden Flurry has been, has been pretty good as well. He hasn't been outstanding, but he's been good. Like I don't, he hasn't had a bad game, uh, since all this. So, and the goalies have been good. I would imagine we go right back to Reimer on Tuesday. Like, again, I don't, I don't really see the need, you know, technically just played in back-to-backs, but he came in relief and he saw like four shots in that first game. So I don't even know if that counts. He was basically standing in the net (laughs) and that was the extent of his workload. Um, So I would imagine we see him again. I thought it was a good game from him. That first goal, um, you know, he'd like to have it back. I think it's the first goal of the season, honestly, that one of the Hurricanes goalies would probably consider a a bit of a weak one. Uh, he should have had that first one and then isn't able to get the rebound, but he should have he should have controlled that first one. But he made up for it because the rest of the game, this man was a human Velcro pad. Like, everything stuck to him. He did not everything. It's not easy to get hit in the chest and keep every single puck. I mean, he did that. 90% of those pucks that hit him stuck to him. 
and that is really good. Um, and that will slow the play down when you're uh, getting a little hemmed in, which in the third period it was all stars. And the Hurricanes, you know, were able to weather the storm. And then, you know, Nino gets them on the board and they hang on and they, they win. The last chance they have is to outskill the stars and they just have a better team, I think, uh, skill wise. So they do that. Um, I do think you saw the third period was a little bit more of the Hurricanes having trouble with those grindy teams like the stars. Um, but. It didn't seem to matter because they they stuck with them for the first couple periods and they didn't give them anything really in the first two periods. Um, so really impressive. Special teams continues to be just really really good. One for five on the power play tonight. Which when twenty when twenty percent on your power play is lowering your power play, you're in a pretty good spot, I would say. Um, and their penalty kill continues to be like close to ninety percent, if not ninety percent, which is really really good. Um, they've only allowed I think like two two power play goals because I think that the Stars goal came right after their power play ended tonight. So anyway, um, three wins. Three games that the Hurricanes are missing five roster players and they are not minor ones. Two of them are a top line forward and your best defenseman are are out. And you're able to you know bring up a bunch of guys next man in and just it just shows you how good the Hurricanes development coaches are. Uh, Sergey Samsonov, Tim Gleason, you know, Ryan Warsofsky, who's coaching these guys, um, and Gleason and Samsonov responsible for player development for forwards and defensemen. Uh, how good are they at making sure these guys are ready to play when they come up? Because they didn't look out of place. None of them looked out of place. And think about when Morgan Geeky came up last year. He, he, you know, you tend to be players that, you know, have the capability to play at the NHL level, like guys that aren't just like, deep, deep prospects that you're like, wow, we're, we're, we're down bad here. Like we just need a guy, guys that have the skill set to play in the NHL and are just still developing when they come up, they tend to be impressive. And I think part of that is Rod Brendamore being really good at putting them in situations to succeed and not putting them in over their head to where, you know, their confidence is going to get floored and they're going to look a little out of place because they're not used to that level of play. So I think that's part of it. But the other part is the the coaching at the minor league level and the player development to make sure these guys are playing a minor league game but preparing for an NHL game because that is the goal. And when they get here, they don't look out of place. And I think that you can give you can only give all that credit to the coaching staff and the player development staff and the, the amateur scouting because obviously these guys were picked up somewhere. So super happy for the Hurricanes. Let's uh let's do a quick check of the standings here and uh i know that it's it's wonky all the you know games are all over the place but the hurricanes are now in third place in the division um with only six games played which is the fewest tied for the fewest four-way tie for six games played uh with all the teams that have had delays and the hurricanes are now five and one and have only allowed so 10 goals sorry i was wrong 10 goals allowed uh through six games I mean, less than two a game. You will definitely, definitely take that. That's four less than the Stars, who I would say have a really good defensive play. Uh, so you love to see that. Uh, I mean, look, uh, Nashville has given up 24-8, and eight, so that's not good. The Hurricanes have given up 10-6. and six. That is really good, and they've scored 18-6, and six, which is three goals per game. If your goals forced is three or higher and your goals against is less than two at the same time, you are playing really well. They've won four straight. Uh, the Panthers at the top of the division here with six games played are 5-0-1. Uh, they're looking dangerous. And they've only allowed 16 goals in six games, which is uh, much better than last year. So maybe they're starting to step it up goaltending-wise and defensively finally, giving their goalie some level of support. You can ask James Reimer about how much he got that. Um, so the Hurricanes are in really good shape. They're basically... Uh, you know, if, if this if everything were even, they would most likely be in second place and a very, very close second place, one point out of first place. So you love to see it. Ten points uh, in six games, you will take that ten times out of ten, eleven times out of ten even. Um, so there it is. The last thing I want to get to, and I guess we can we can pop one of these real quick. It's not that off the rails, but, you know. Uh, um, e- Yikes. This is off the rails. Yeah. How many, how many press conferences do you guys watch? Because I watch all of them. And I have noticed the theme this year. And it's made me laugh every time. 
every time I've laughed at this because it happens every time. And I wonder if it will continue to happen every time or if they figure it out. What I'm speaking on is if, if you're not aware, which I don't know how you wouldn't be, but whatever, just to explain it all, all of the press conferences are like remote. So everyone's zooming in to the press conference and then, you know, there's a little function on Zoom where you can raise your hand and they know, okay, this reporter has a question. They go in order. They let them ask their questions. They put their hand back down if they don't have any more. And then once everyone's out or they're out of time, that's when it ends. So they just, that's how they do it. Uh, obviously, there's going to be technical issues because it's remote um, and just that happens no matter what. But Chip Alexander for the News and Observer, and this is, I'm not hating on Chip. I just think this is so funny that it's him every time. <laughs> I also think that he happens to be one of the older reporters, uh, which just makes it even better. My man has had some level of a technical problem on at least 80 to 90% of every question he's asked. And I'm talking about every time. I brought this up to my wife last night and I said, watch this guy because they called his name. And I was like, watch this guy. I swear to God, every time he goes to ask a question, there's something wrong. And I went, I always hear, Chip, you're muted. (laughs) And then no bullshit. Five seconds of dead air went by and they went, you're on mute. And then he unmuted and asked his question. I was like, right, see, it just happened. I mean, it's so funny. Tonight or, you know, at Sunday night, that game, that press conference, similar thing. He left his hand raised when he didn't have a question. The night before that, he was muted. Uh, two nights ago, um, he had like mic problems. Like all you could hear was like <laughs> in the background, like what is going on? Uh, and then the game before that, muted again. I've just heard it so many times. So do yourself a favor. When the press conferences happen uh, and they and they go to Chip Alexander for a question, just just listen and see what happens because I guarantee you in the next three games, if you do that, you will hear, you're muted, Chip. <laughs> or you'll hear, sorry, forgot to put my hand down. Or you'll hear just, <laughs> you know, any any combination of those even. Uh, and I'm not hating on Chip Alexander. I just think it's so funny that why is it him every time? You know, you got to figure it out, Chip. You got to figure it out, bud. Uh, anyway, I'm tired. That was a great game. The Hurricanes are 5-1 and one in six games to start this season, and they haven't had, you know, 30% of their roster for the last, for half of the games this season. I don't know when those guys are coming back. Maybe they're back for Chicago on Tuesday. Uh, I would think that they got to be getting close at least. So maybe we get some of them back at least. Uh, Jacob Slavin would be a big one. Tavo Teravainen would be a big one. But guys have stepped up, and I'm really impressed uh, with how these guys have stepped up. I'm glad Jordan Stahl is still in the lineup after tonight uh, and after that hit. Glad he's okay. Hope Vincent Trocek continues to kill it. Um, and Sebastian Ajo keeps racking up assists. Andrei Svechnikov keeps scoring goals. Uh, the top, you know, everybody seems to be doing their thing. Brock McGinn got on the score sheet tonight. You just have to be happy with this team's performance. I certainly am. I know you are too. It's been a really good week to be a Hurricanes fan. Uh, and I feel like over the last, you know, 15 years, we haven't gotten to say that too many times. So you got to relish it when it happens. But thanks for listening. Um, thank you again to DraftKings for sponsoring this episode. Again, go sign up at DraftKings and use the promo code THPN when you do. You can win some free, uh, you can win a free reward just by submitting your picks. And you can win up to $55 million in total prizes one million dollar grand prize um that's a lot of dollars so go do that um all right like i don't i said it again don't it doesn't you can't like rate review subscribe follow on twitter at canes train pod um appreciate you we'll be back thursday